This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 95 of the Best Seats Podcast. I cannot believe it's already 95. The only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com or check out any of her family's three restaurants here in the Orange County area, Fable and Spirit, over in Newport Beach, Dublin 4, and Wineworks for Everyone. Both of those are in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review if you are listening to it on free feeds. It helps other folks discover it, share it on social, the whole nine yards. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. But don't forget that all the major fun content is over on patreon.com forward slash thebestseats, where so many of you support this show and this brand each and every month with your monthly subscriptions, and I am so grateful for it. Over there, you get early ad-free listening to the show and exclusive access to the post-show with regards to these podcasts each and every episode. Episode 95 is a special one. This is a guest that I've been trying to get on for some time. Um, there were a lot of mitigating factors on kind of just swapping messages about trying to get her on the show. Um, and I'm very, very happy to say that finally, I am able to welcome for the 95th episode, executive chef of 608 Dahlia over in Corona Del Mar, Jessica Roy. Um, she is someone who is incredibly talented. I've been a big, big, big fan of her cooking for a while now. She's somebody that I have a lot of respect for. Um, she, if you've seen her food, instantly you're probably smitten with it because visually her stuff is just stunning. She has this eye for plating that is just beyond kind of that visual aesthetic and it almost kind of transitions into that artistic realm. She really understands flavors. She understands how to do a lot with a little, but at the same time elevate the hell out of something. She's someone who, if you have ever had, it could be a biscuit, it could have maybe a fish dish that she did, whatever it is that she made, it made a lasting impression on you. Um, as I've said, I have been a big fan of hers for a long time. Um, if you actually, if you go to thebestseats.com right now, depending on when you're listening to this, the website just got a little bit of a refresh. Um, one of the pictures that's on kind of the made landing page is actually an oyster dish that she did for a charity event. Um, actually, ironically, or kind of right before the shutdown when this podcast just launched. Everything she does is stunning and delicious and just really heartfelt and endearing. And ever since she's taken over kind of her restaurant space and turned it into what it is now, um, she has just gotten accolades and accolades and rightfully so. And just people are really paying attention even more so than before to what she's doing and what she's building and what she's capable of. And it is a lot. She's extremely talented. One of the sweetest people you could want to sit down with. We recorded this in the garden. Beautiful kind of early morning out there. Just really, really fun awesome space. Um, if there's a little bit of background noise from the PCH, 
whatever. You guys have been listening to the show long enough now that this is not going to be your first rodeo with anything like that. So let's not waste any more time because she has a lot to say, and I want you to hear it as we jump into episode 95 of the Best Seeds podcast featuring executive chef of 608 Dahlia, Jessica Roy. Enjoy. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. You are somebody that I have wanted to get on the show for a while. I was actually going back looking at old messages, and I realized that I've been trying to get you on since 2021, give or take, um, and it's just taken a minute to do it, but now we are finally able to sit down a beautiful Friday morning out here in the garden. Uh, For those that may not be familiar with you or your work, would you mind taking a moment, though, to introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background? Absolutely. So my name is Jessica Roy. I'm the executive chef owner of 608 Dahlia right here in the beautiful Sherman Library and Gardens. Took over and started this restaurant a year ago. Actually, July this month is my one-year anniversary. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So we're really excited to be here. We're just exploding and doing lots of exciting things. I've got a history. I trained in hotels, three Michelin star restaurants in Chicago, um, but just really have a passion for the business and relationships, most importantly. And I just love to cook for people and create beautiful seasonal food. Before we kind of dive into what you're doing here at um, 608 and, and kind of since you took over, can you kind of go back and talk about your path from those kind of, you know, kitchens of Chicago? Because a little bit of a different pace compared to Chicago scene compared to here. What took you kind of from the Midwest out here and then ultimately kind of under who you trained with? And I want to say your mentor of Chef Pascal Hotz. Um, So I would say I started training in professional kitchens 11 years ago. So I started with Fairmont Hotels um, right out of college. Um, worked my way up, you know, that's really how I did it. Just the school of hard knocks. Um, I started in a big bustling banquet kitchen doing 500 to a thousand covers a day and loved every single minute of it really and worked my way around the kitchen. So started as an on-call banquet cook and then worked my way up to the a la carte line, worked my way through pastry, um, then to dinner. And then from there is when I entered my first cooking competition and won that. Um, it was called On the Menu with uh, TNT Network and took my $25,000 winnings and moved to Chicago. Um, so I had really one thing in my mind all along and I wanted to work in one of the world's greatest restaurants. So that was kind of my biggest goal as a young culinarian. Uh, I wanted to see, can I run with it or can I not? You know, kind of prove to myself most importantly that, you know, I could do it. And mm-hmm. I did uh, for two years and really got what I call my advanced training. Um, really, really um, amazing restaurant to work with, um, going 200 miles an hour uh, every single day. It was like a marathon. Um, so every day was, you know, uh, conquering a mountain. Uh, and so putting one foot in front of the other each day really, I think, built me as a very strong chef. Uh, one with uh, exceptional critical thinking and, you know, working with extreme precision and speed, um, I think really helped shape me into the chef that I am today. So I would say probably my two years in Chicago was my biggest influence of all, um, working with, you know, world-class chefs and working with a team of people just like me, you know, with the same passion, drive, and motivation. So going from, you know, hotel kitchens that was really great to, you know, basically jumping onto a high-speed train. Yeah. Um, so it was really, really great as far as that went. Um, but, you know, spent two years in Chicago. And then uh, I'm from California, so I'm native, local, born, raised right here in Orange County. 
and you know my family's here but most importantly this is really the landscape that I grew up with and what's influenced me the most as a chef has been the beautiful bounty of California not to mention the beautiful weather um, so I grew up with sunshine and ocean breezes and just a little different from the Chicago winters <laughs> it's a little bit different um, from the Chicago winters yes um, you know but really California is my home and I think it has the greatest influence on me uh, as far as you know what's coming up in the farmers markets um, you know what's growing up what's growing around me um, also it has been the most heavily influential um, you know mark on me as a chef uh, I, my grandparents, they had gardens in Ohio, so I grew up with summers in the Midwest. Uh, they made me go out into the garden and, you know, pull weeds, and I didn't necessarily like it as a kid, but what <laughs> I do remember was, you know, going to the kitchen table and having those, you know, beautiful tomatoes or the fresh cucumbers or the corn being prepared very simply, um, but just the, the flavors, I can still remember what they taste like, um, and then my mom and I actually started a garden in our home um, 10 years ago. So I would say gardening has been such an influential uh, piece in who I am as a chef currently. And I look back at, you know, pictures and, you know, what I've done in the past. And you can kind of really see this, this constant thread and trend of, you know, nature and beauty and working with what's growing outside. Um, and that, to me, inspires my cooking more than anything. So my yeah. creativity happens, and it happens a lot of different ways. I mean, I could, you know, name 10 different ways it happens. But I would say the most common thread is, you know, the garden, what's growing around me. There's nothing like going out to a garden and picking an ingredient that's at its peak. You just can't get it another way at that peak and quality yeah. uh, and I really love to forage and pick as much as I can myself and hand select my ingredients um, you could call me particular um, but I know quality and beauty and so I constantly am trying to seek that out for the restaurant here now when I got back from Chicago I worked in uh, with Fairmont hotels again uh, but then it quickly became renaissance yep. um, through Marriott and, you know, I ran that hotel kitchen there for about two years. And during those two years, I tried to get a garden started on the rooftop. I wanted to do honeybees and, you know, had plans to do all that, but kind of ended up hitting some red tape um, with corporate. And it just kind of became not in the, the plans any longer. And so, you know, I had met Chef Pascal over the years of just doing these charity events, Table for Ten, mm -hmm. Chef Masters. Um, all of those events were things that I believed in participating in as a chef. I always believe in giving back to the community and other people. So yeah. that's why I do them. Mm -hmm. And so I met him over the years doing that. And we just, you know, got to talking. And then, you know, he... Um, was looking for a chef to run one of his businesses, um, which was Cafe Jardin here at the Sherman Gardens. And, you know, I was at the point of wanting to take the next step in my career, really running an entire, like, operation, you know. Um, so, yeah, really kind of <laughs> once once he told me it was in the garden here, I was kind of just a goner, Yeah, quite, quite honestly. That's it was, an instant sell. It was an instant sell for me because, you know, I was already at the hotel foraging around the property, trying to find anything edible I could find, trying to grow stuff in my garden and really working that into my dishes. 
Um, so having the access to an actual garden where, you know, we had a big culinary garden here at the time um, and we're currently um, growing, growing it as we speak right around us here, actually. Um, it was just that I was a hook, line, sinker goner. Um, so I, I took the job with Chef Pascal um, and we worked together for about two years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and our whole thing, it was, it was more of a, a partnership of, you know, his, he tagged it tradition meets innovation. So <laughs> we were really like kitchen partners in a sense where, you know, he had, he's such an amazing, fantastic, yeah. classically trained chef. I mean, I never tasted anything he made that wasn't phenomenal. No. Um, I mean, historically, arguably easily, everybody could say on kind of the, the Mount Rushmore of kind of Orange County culinary. I mean, just yeah. an icon in the community. Absolutely. And so, you know, being able to kind of, you know, and I came from a corporate, you know, with Marriott, it was more of a corporate um, kind of thing, you know, so kind of being able to work with, you know, sort of like a renegade in the culinary industry, like someone who really, you know, blazed their own trail and did his own thing. I I really admired that. And it was really fun to get in the kitchen. My favorite thing of working with him over anything was just us in the kitchen cooking together, making delicious things, giving each other tastes of what we created. um, And then we would blend our two styles together. Um, and that, that, those to me are my fondest memories of, of working with Chef Pascal and not to mention, yes, the breadth of knowledge that he has in the industry and just as a restaurateur. Um, so, you know, learn things with him there and, and really though, working in the garden, I, I, it was during COVID actually. Um, it wasn't too long after I started with him, you know, the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I think we were about, I was about six or seven months in with Chef Pascal at the time. And, you know, the entire world shut down. And, you know, we went from being, you know, a bustling little restaurant to, I remember standing in this dining room right to your left and there literally nobody here. And I was here, you know, Chef Pascal was at home, you know, he was, still you know in remission and things Mm -hmm. like that and it's a scary time like you don't know if what's gonna happen if you catch it you know so I remember being here and I'm like what am I gonna do (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it was just it was a crazy time and you know I was sitting on all this extra product too in the kitchen after shutting down and you know just my passion for farmers markets um and I remember Scott LaFleur our executive director here um, was like, uh, you can uh, serve lunch in the in the driveway. He's like, I don't care what you do. You just can't do it inside the garden. Yeah. You know, and I went from like, oh, we're not going to serve, you know, lunch in the driveway. There's no room there. I said, but what we can do is I could set up a farmer's market, you know, just my love of farmer's markets. I you remember know? that, and, yeah. You know, just having, you know, the access to, for the community and for the local CDM people, a place where they could come and get, you know, supplies, you know, I still have, we still had a supply chain of, you know, plenty of produce, meat, dairy, whatever. So, um, I just like loved setting up the little farmer's market every day and actually did really well. When did it transition from Cafe Jardin to where it is kind of now? I mean, you mentioned that you're about to come up on the one year anniversary, but kind of what was the, what was the catalyst for that transition to really kind of make it your own? Um, well, it happened in June of 2021 last year was the official transition. And, you know, for me and I think the garden, you know, they wanted um, something a bit different from a 
um, you know, what, what it was. I think they wanted more, like, garden to really incorporate more of, like, the California style cuisine. And I think, you know, they were, you know, we were all just, you know, ready to kind of, I don't know, make it, I was ready to make it my own and had to make it my own. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I, I my style's a little bit different, you know, it's not, not classical French. Like I said, it's very, you know, mm-hmm. moder- more modern California, you know, and really, I think I like to call it interpretive cuisine as well, because, you know, it's all about taking what's around me and creating something truly unique and special. So it's kind of almost hard to put it in a box. Um, but if I had to call it something, I would say that's what it is. But really, you know, it's very artful as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that fits really into the garden because it is a this garden is about culture and the arts as well as, you know, the histor- the historical aspects of it. Um, you know, right now where they're doing a beautiful mosaic installation in the garden where this lady, you know, hand placed all these tiles and created these beautiful mosaics um, that you'll see. So for me, it's like that's that's where it had to go and evolve to. And, you know, that's that's what it is. Well, I mean, and we should say time of this recording, you know, mid-July, Orange, uh, what was it, Orange Coast Magazine, Best New Restaurants 2022. I mean, and obviously very well-deserved. Anybody who's ever seen your food, you have some of the prettiest food around, Thank plain you. and simple. I mean, you're plating, you're, the way that you kind of serve up, things like that. I mean, your, your eye is immaculate. You mentioned it as kind of interpretive food, kind of taking the ingredients around you and putting them on the, the dish and kind of into a dish in the best way possible. And I hate when people try to label chefs. They're like, oh, no, he, he's new American only. It's like, right. he's, he's cooking. Shut I up. I just like to cook, you yeah. know, and this is how it comes out. You but know? where did your eye come from to that kind of design sure. and aesthetic? Was that from your time in Chicago and kind of the Michelin ranks? You or? know what? It's I would say it's like different like threefold almost or however however you want to call it so when I was growing up I was always an artist I was always painting I was always crafting like I could always make something out of nothing so um I would say I grew up with a very artistic um style um but I could never paint a picture with any type of dimension but I love to paint um and then you know I just always had Whenever I would plate something, nobody ever taught me this. And I never looked at any books. Just when I started to discover my love of cooking, it was in high school when I was cooking for myself because I was a volleyball player. Mm -hmm. Um, I would create dishes, but I would end up serving them. I'm cooking for myself, but I would end up serving them to my grandmother. And I remember really caring about how it looked. And when I would give it to her, I wanted it to be presented nicely um, but also for me, over presentation is always flavor. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I've eaten pretty food that doesn't taste great. And you know what that is to me is it's forgettable food. You know? Um, it, I, I remember pretty food, but yeah. I, I think people remember flavor more. So flavor for me is always paramount. So, and there's a lot of interest, intricacies and details when I cook that I put into food. And that's the layering of flavors. But people eat first with their eyes. So for me, delicious food and beautiful food, that's my style. Yeah. Um, so my eye for it, um, I would say, you know, really came from, you know, a little bit of evolution in the kitchen. Like I could always make food look pretty and beautiful. Absolutely. But I would say really when I started, what elevated 
me was working in this garden in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, there was nobody in this garden. Um, I would be here alone, Chef Pascal here, or our office manager, and maybe like one other person and a few garden people. But, you know, and I always say, like, I think the plants, maybe there weren't people in the garden trampling on them, or, you know, maybe the horticulturists, you know, could spend, you know, whatever time they wanted on something. And the, the beauty of this garden was screaming at me every single day and seeing things. I mean, it was fire. It was so beautiful. And so for me, really working in a garden, um, in this garden here at the Sherman Gardens, um, I would say really elevated my lens as a chef. Well, let's take a second and pause because for people that haven't been here, this is not just like a restaurant with a side garden or you know, a place like Poppy and Seed that's been kind mm -hmm. of designed um, to be a culinary garden, mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, this is a proper botanical, yes. beautiful space. Can you Absolutely. kind of describe Sherman Gardens to maybe someone who hasn't been here sure. before? Absolutely. You know, I always describe it as kind of this little secret garden behind these gates. You know, a lot of people drive by and they're like, oh, you know, I never I've driven by here for 20 years. I was going to say, know? the PCH is 15 feet to yeah. my right, your left. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, and so many people are like, I never knew about this place. And we're definitely changing that narrative. Mm -hmm. And we have big plans to change it even more. Um, in the coming, you know, future, there's, there's big things that are going to go on here. Um, you know, but really behind this, this, those gates, you know, you've got, I don't know, it's like, oh, at least one or two blocks wide of botanical space. We've got a greenhouse, a tropical greenhouse that has all kinds of tropical plants from all over the world. There's turtles, there's a koi fish font pond you know we've got a shade garden with begonias we've got a succulent garden um, that has native california succulents in it we've got uh, our what we call our tea garden that has hanging beautiful fuchsias that to me look like little ballerina dancers once they're in full bloom they're just absolutely sensational um, we've got our central garden here right behind you that changes um, every season as well so right now they're wrapping up what i call the yearly dahlia show um, so the Dahlia show is one of my favorite um, installations that the garden does every year. Um, it was also what was here when I opened this restaurant. Um, hence my name 608 Dahlia is actually my kitchen address in the back. It's the heart of our house. It's the first doors that I walked into on this property. And I remember walking through those doors what, three years ago. And I remember like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is home. And it's always been yeah. a very, very special place. Um, and incredible things have transpired here. Um, so we have, you know, all these beautiful elements to the garden. And, you know, we've got people that do discover it. They're like, I can't believe I never knew this was here. And now you have this, you know, we have this amazing restaurant that's here as well. And, you know, I always say this, I say this to anybody, you know, we have a very unique combination here. So you have a beautiful, you know, botanical garden. We have an incredible horticulture staff that is so passionate and knowledgeable about anything. You ask them all anything and they're going to be able to tell you answers like this is what this is. This is what that is. And there's intention behind everything that they plant and do here. And then you have a restaurant, you know, and we've We've probably, I would say, tripled, almost now quadrupled our business since I opened a year ago. Good. Which is why we're sitting on the side of it. We've got full seating in the central dining room. Um, so, 
you know, and our food isn't just kind of like a grab and go thing. Mm-hmm. It's really like a sit down. It's a lunch. It's a lunch spot, but it's also, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, it's a it's a different lunch experience. You know, you're coming and you're really you know, getting amazing, super high quality food. So I source a lot of my stuff from the farmer's market in Santa Monica. Um, I work with Manicero Farms in Irvine and I get really fresh, really fresh produce that they hand select different sizes of things for me. So I could say, hey, this week, can I get your tiniest uh, melon that you have? And, you know, or can I get medium, like three inch tomatoes? Um, So for me, that's a chef's dream. Um, and they're going to grow stuff for me this fall, like specific things that I'm looking to work with. Um, you know, I just did a dinner with the ecology center, um, in San Juan Capistrano and just really, really excited. Like, like I mentioned earlier before this industry for me is about building relationships. Um, so it's, I call it the relationship industry as well as the hospitality industry. And I would agree with that a hundred percent, you know, so uh, I would say I, I really work hard on building, um, solid relationships with all of my purveyors as well. And I invited, actually, I did a dinner here last week, um, and I invited my purveyors here so they can really see what they're a part of, you know, because it really is a partnership, um, so, yeah, there's just like a lot of, you know, really, really great things that we're involved in. And, you know, I'm really excited. I'm actually going for a dinner at the Ecology Center next Monday. And I'm going for the sole purpose of, of, of learning about their sustainable farming practices, you know, especially in the climate and the times we're in. Yeah. Um, for me as a business operator, I feel a responsibility and I've always felt a responsibility as a chef. Um, but as a business, you know, person that I'm purchasing ingredients, you know, my kitchen is giving off, you know, you know, it's, it's part of the environmental change that's happening. So I'm very excited to learn about how I can do my part as a chef to, you know, take care of the environment, you know, all the, the to go stuff, for example, that we use, it's all compostable. Um, we have a worm bin um, out back that we put all of our scraps in and we make like a worm tea and the garden uses that, you know, wherever they want. I, I, yep. One of my last guests, Caleb Finn, is starting his own worm composting company called Circular. So if he's listening cool. to this one, I can see a big smile just come across yeah. his face. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all for, you know, really doing that, like not wasting water. Um, you know, we have an amazing bar program that we're working on right now and we built um, a little bar on the side of our restaurant and the whole, you know, theme behind it is all, you know, garden based botanical cocktails. Um, we, we use agave wine and everything that we do. Um, and we infuse, you know, our, our bases with stuff from the garden and I'm building a really unique menu that, you know, you can only get that here. Plus, we have an amazing uh, head bartender, Andrew, and he's using, you know, scraps from the kitchen or all parts of whatever he's working with into the cocktails. Trying to move into kind of the zero waste, just kind of responsible. Yeah, absolutely. Like he made an amazing watermelon juice and then he took all of his pulp, for example, and made little watermelon ice cubes. Love it, um, yeah. You know, that he then put back into the drink, not only to give it more flavor, but it actually gave it, um, you know, some body and texture as well. And we're not wasting any part of the watermelon. We're taking the rind and we're making pickled watermelon rind. And that's going to be a garnish for our blooming magave, which is our version of the Bloody Mary. Um, you know, and then we're taking the peels and we're recycling those and composting them. So we literally didn't waste any part of that. Um, 
So, yeah, it's just, you know, we're really trying to, I find it interesting and challenging to figure out ways to be creative and how to use the whole of something, especially, you know, as someone in a, in a market that is dealing with stuff with skyrocketing prices. Yeah. You know? Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potage. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, the best seats 15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Prices. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was going to bring it up at some point, but it, it, I'll, I'll kind of side skirt one question that I had because I do want to touch on that one. Yeah. As a chef, I mean, how are you navigating kind of the pricing, of, you know, the issues like that. I, I was watching someone's story on social media. I don't remember whose it was. It might have been Jason Quinn's or somebody, and they were talking about, they were showing the difference that they paid for scallops um, a couple of weeks ago versus scallops now. I had the same conversation with Chef Craig Strong down at Hotel Laguna, uh, weirdly about scallops, so clearly they're a <laughs> culprit. But yeah. how is it navigating kind of the pricing structure of things right now, and, and do you see that kind of changing anytime soon? Um. I don't really see it changing anytime soon. Uh, what I do to navigate it, you know, is I really work again closely with our seafood purveyor. Mm -hmm. um, and I look for stuff that, you know, is, is in season. Like what is there an abundance of, you know? Um, you're not gonna pay, you know, 
you know, right now king salmon, getting great deal on king salmon, you know. So we ran, ran yesterday a beautiful king salmon special that, again, is something that, you know, there's an abundance of, not to mention it's fresh. Um, so I'm all about really fresh ingredients. And so, like I said, I would say connecting with my purveyors and really watching the market and seeing what what is, you know, you know, reasonable, what is there an abundance of, and being really smart with, you know, what and how I purchase and how yeah. I design my menus. Um, and then not to mention for me, it's a, it's a continuous, um, you know, training as well and making sure that the way that we're utilizing these ingredients is used in the best way. Um, we, I have an amazing chef de cuisine here. His name is Israel Rivera and he is, you know, so I, I tell myself and him and pretty much everybody how lucky, you know, we are to have him here because, you know, not only is he a super talented chef, um, you know, but he really respects ingredients and knows how to use them and knows how to create beautiful flavors. And, you know, I can, you know, be managing the restaurant and, and running the business, you know, and I know that the, you know, you know, he's being very responsible with the, the product that is very expensive, as he knows, that comes into the kitchen. Um, and I'm super grateful for that. So I would say keeping the team informed and, you know, really monitoring, you know, how things are prepared. Like, are you throwing half the lettuce away when you cut it? Um, okay, those romaine leaves that don't look so good, we could turn those into a beautiful puree. Yeah. Um, so it's just knowing how to use ingredients, too. And design your menus accordingly. And I keep a, our menu is smaller too. It's very small. I mean, it's not that small, but I like to say it's very focused. I, look, I'm very pro smaller menus. I, I think menus <laughs> you know? were too big for too long. I'm you, you're yeah. no, you don't have to apologize to me on that yeah. one. Um, one thing I do want to ask you though, is you mentioned that you did a dinner here for some of your purveyors, but your regular service is, correct me if I'm wrong, your lunch only. Yes. It's very obstinate of you. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, Granted, it makes for a great shift for you. Get up in the morning, prep one service, and you're out. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's got to be a great work-life balance. But Yeah, it's dreamy why, for why a just, lot of people. Why just the one? <laughs> uh, well, you know, this restaurant, you know, the garden is open from 1030 to 4 every day. Mm -hmm. So that's the operating hours of this property. And we are located within the property. Yeah. Um, so it's important to be, you know, here when the property is open. Um you know, I, I have done um, some dinners, but really it's it's a daytime kind of place. So the business model is we're open for lunch when the garden is open. Um, now, yes, the number one question along with can I get your biscuit recipe um, <laughs> is always are you open for dinner? I so. wasn't going to ask, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I should give you one. They're incredible. Um but yeah, the, the garden is open for those hours. So the restaurant is open for those hours. Now, when you go outside of that, you know, it becomes a matter of, you know, all right, who's going to be at the gates or who's going to lock up or, yeah. you know, um, how are we going to do a full blown lunch service? Because, you know, we're not doing 30, 40 covers a day. We're doing between 150 and 250 covers five days a week for lunch. So we turn and burn here. Um, it's not, it's not slow. <laughs> no. Um, you know, for Mother's Day, we did, I think, 380, something crazy. <sighs> Mother's Day service. Yeah. Mother's Day service, Father's <laughs> Day, you know, the holidays are No, 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 no. Don't skirt it. Everyone knows that Mother's Day is one of the hardest services <laughs> you will do. Yeah. You know, but. Shout was, out to all the dads out there, but Mother's Day service is a monster. You no, know, but, but it was so great because we had a special menu. We trained the staff, like we had everything on one menu and we designed it to go smoothly and Mother's Day was just a breeze. 
I mean, we all worked hard and mm-hmm. it was, you know, busy, but it wasn't unmanageable because, you know, the way I do, I like to do things too is, you know, it's all about planning and preparation and, you know, setting yourself up for success and figuring out what can we do here that's going to work. And I don't like to, you know, I know what's going to work and I know what's not going to work um, for the most part. Sometimes I have to learn the hard way, um, <laughs> but I try and design things so we're successful. And I like to set the teams up with the tools and the resources we need to be successful. And I would say the result of that is we have incredible reviews and we have an incredible following and we're making new friends every day. Yeah. I mean, obviously the the recognitions are incredibly well-deserved, um, especially the Orange Coast recognition. You're doing a lot of covers, so it's not like word of mouth is kind of an issue, but should you should you be bigger? Do you feel like you should be better recognized kind of as a chef and, and should more people know what you're doing here? Or do you kind of like that it's kind of your secret garden? Um, well, you know, when you say it like that, it's like I'm a kind of a sucker for the secret garden kind of thing. Um, you know, but I do want people to know about what we're doing here, and they do. But, yes, I would say all of our recognition currently is all by word of mouth. I haven't done any advertising. Um, you know, yeah, there just hasn't been any of that. It's all like, oh, my friend so-and-so came here. Uh, I found you guys on, you know, best restaurant on uh, whatever it's called. Uh, Open Table is our platform. Um ABC was here not too long ago and we did like a California live segment with them. So we got people from that, but that kind of came to us, which was really cool. Um, and rightfully so, by the way, I mean, again, <laughs> I've been a, a supporter of your food for a long time for a I reason. I know you have, you've been amazing. Uh, but I would say I do want people to know about us and, you know, I'm somebody that operates, you know, I just keep my nose to the grindstone every single day. And it's like the field of dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come, you know? So I spend my time each day building it and really investing in the team I have here and really focusing on each dish that goes out every day, each interaction with the guests. I walk around to every single table. Um, I do it at least once, if not twice during after the first turn and after the second turn. Um, I go out and I talk to every guest I can and I really, I meet new people. I meet people that, Hey, you're regulars. You've been with me since I opened, you know, um, former patrons of, you know, Cafe Jardin, you know, are here still and excited. Um, so for guests mm -hmm. and not to interrupt, I'm sorry, but for guests that do want to come, maybe they're hearing this or they've seen the orange coast Mm -hmm. piece, or they've just kind of discovered you because as I said, kind of rightfully so all the attention that you are deservedly getting, how can people go about coming? I mean, do they have to come into the garden first, the restaurant? Mm -hmm. I mean, is it a restaurant with a garden or is it a garden with a restaurant? How can people come to enjoy your food if they haven't before? Yeah, I would say, you know, I would say it's both, you know, I think the garden is an attraction in and of itself and, and the restaurant has become an attraction in and of itself. So I would say for me, that equals a great partnership. So you know, sometimes people come because, you know, they've, they've read about, you know, what we're doing or they found us, you know, online or they saw an article written about us, you know. Or and they can just walk in, kind of grab a table or does it have to be a reservation? It's, you know, reservations are highly recommended, um, especially, well, really all year round, actually. We didn't really have a slow season. Um, it's a good problem to have. It's a good yeah. problem. I was really nervous in January and February. I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's going to be slow, but no, it wasn't slow. <laughs> the only, <laughs> only slow days were days where it was like literally pouring rain. And we don't get yeah. very many of those, unfortunately, in California. Um, so, yeah. 
you can walk in. There is a $5 entrance fee. If you're a member, then you don't pay that entrance fee. And yeah, you can come to the restaurant, you know, with or without a reservation. But we do highly recommend reservations so you can, you know, make sure you get a spot that you're looking for. Um, we do have overflow seating as well for those that do just walk in. Or some people walk in and they're lucky they get a front row seat. Um, it just depends on the day. It depends on the availability if you're yeah. walking in. Um, but we try to accommodate absolutely everybody we can we can and we've just created a little cute little bar section too and there's actually a two top at our bar so if you know the restaurant's busy it's like hey go grab a drink at the bar and hang out you know and we wanted to make this restaurant really inviting for people yeah i want to create a really a beautiful experience you know for me it's never it, it it has never been about coming and eating and serving people food I want people to see and taste the food and they do and they can see, wow, this is like not what I was expecting. It's really beautiful. And I get, I never take pictures of my food and I, you caught me taking a picture, you know? Um, <laughs> and that's always my favorite when they're like, I always, you know, make fun of people that do that, but here I but am so doing pretty. it. I and, get, I, yeah. and I love that. That's always one of my favorites. Or I've never had green mashed potatoes. Like what did you do to them? And people love it, you know? And I, I whip a basil pesto into them and they turn this vibrant green color you know and I just love color and flavor so I always have fun doing that um but to really circle back and, and wrap up that question um you know we we will do more dinners and I'm gonna start doing probably seasonal dinners um so I just did one last week I have another one scheduled for September 9th and that one should be going through, and that's going to be kind of like my peak at fall, um, which I'm very excited about. You know, fall is my favorite season. I love summer. Just the farmer's market right now is just exploding with yeah, watermelon and squash and beans. And so I love, love, love summer just for the abundance, um, but I also really love fall. Um, so I'm really excited. I'll be showcasing kind of my, my peak at fall. Um, and then, you know, we're going to do a December 1st dinner, I believe. Uh, so that's going to kind of be like more of a, a cozy, toasty winter uh, style menu. And then, you know, I'll do another one for spring. And we're just going to kind of, I think, start doing it seasonally. And it'll probably be uh, more prefix. Um, and it'll be more, I would say, exclusive, like chef's table kind of thing where you'll get like a multi-course menu and it's gonna be no i want to knock your socks off that's awesome that's the plan i love that i love <laughs> so, that and then you know you kind of build from there you know mm -hmm. they didn't build rome overnight so i'm somebody that has a lot of patience when it comes to i like to walk before i run i never i'm like oh i gotta you know just jump right in and do this i like to really make sure that we're successful and what i do is sustainable as well and what we do has purpose and intention and kind of really, you know, lay it out from there. Yeah. That makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. I love it. Um, I'm going to start to wrap this main episode up. I do want to keep you around for a uh, Patreon only post show, which we will jump into in a second. But the last thing that I do want to ask is you mentioned that you like to take things slow. And that was kind of a perfect segue that I don't think you meant to introduce, but mm -hmm. you did anyway, because I wanted to ask where do you go from here with the restaurant? You kind of mentioned the dinners, you know, you mentioned just kind of that slow burn, but mm -hmm. what is kind of your vision for the restaurant? Are you just taking it day by day or do you have kind of things down the road that you're thinking about or, or dreaming about, or, you know, basically you've, it opened, you got the rightful accolades. Mm -hmm. You're going to keep going 
where does it go from here? Yeah, you know, I want to build. I want to build one of the best restaurants in California or the states. You know, or like I've never been somebody that shoots low. So I would say, you know, I have very big ambitions and dreams and vision. You know, and um, I have, you know. I have a notebook that I keep and it's a daily list of tasks that I do each day. And then I kind of have a middle of the road section where it's like, these are the things that I want to work on, like summer goals, you know, or the next six month goals. And then I have another section that's like, here's what I want to do, like down the line. So um, I am very much like, let's win the day. Um, but I do have big ideas and, you know, big ambitions for what I want this restaurant to be. And I would say, you know, in the coming, you know, year, two years, I want to share this restaurant with a lot more people. Um, and I know the garden wants the same as well. I really want to, you know, not only are we a restaurant, but just to touch back on your whole dinner thing, um, we are a venue for weddings and events too. Mm -hmm. Um, this year alone, I'm doing like 35 weddings or something like crazy like that. Um, so we do them right, right here behind you in the central garden. So I want to make this a, and it, and it has become a place for, you know, weddings because, you know, I, when we do weddings, I, I top it at like 150 people. Yeah. That so makes sense. It's manageable for the space and everything it's, else. It's manageable. And I'm really able to, that's like the number two I feel comfortable with where it's like, I can put out just super high quality, a la carte style food. Mm -hmm. For a wedding, you know, so people can have an amazing meal. It's not a catered banquet kind of mass produced kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, chicken or fish. Yeah, yeah, that's just like not who we are here. So I'm really able to have um, a relationship with the bride and groom um, and really walk them through their event and really plan and design a, a menu that, you know, they're they're really happy with and that they're going to get on their big day that they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It was the best food ever. That's so. Awesome. You know, I have, you know, my vision for this is to make, you know, the best to venue, venue food you can get, you know, because um, that's what I do. I just want to make great food that's delicious. So we do a lot of events at night. And that's part of the reason I don't have as much opportunity to do dinners is because, like, I got weddings every weekend. Yeah. Um, and every week damn people falling in love. So <laughs> I <know>. selfish. <laughs> so selfish. Um, but anyways, we're working it out and we're figuring it out. But I would say, you know, sharing this restaurant with a lot more people. I don't necessarily want it to be a secret by any measure. Um, you know, why why would we not want to share? You know. Well, I, I was gonna say I hate, to, I hate to tell you, but I think the secret's out. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's out, and we're here, and we're so excited to be here. We have an amazing team, so I am not a one man show. We have a fantastic culinary team as well as an amazing service team that continues to blow our guests away, both sides every single day. And I am one lucky chef to have such an amazing team. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, chef, we're going to wrap up this main episode. Um, you mentioned that you guys are on open table for reservations, but if people mm -hmm. wanted to learn more about you or the restaurant, whether it was kind of social media, websites, things like that, where can people do yeah. that at? Uh, I would say the, the best place to find us, we're on uh, Instagram at 608Dahlia. And then our main platform for reservations is actually through our website, oh, okay. 608, yeah, 608Dahlia.com. And that'll kind of link you through to our reservation system. And Got you it. can kind of learn more about us. You can also send inquiries. Um, join our email list things like that um, we're really starting to build kind of our repertoire of 
you know, that because we want to let be able to let people know what we're doing. Mm Because right now it's really just, you know, people that I'm talking to at tables, you know, it's like, hey, keep that date in mind, you know. Um, So we're really kind of building building our our foundation too right now and we've got we've got big things coming so i'm excited we're just getting started you know really (laughs) truly well thank you thank you thank you for coming on the show it's been such a pleasure to have you on like i said i'm a huge fan of what you do your food your style everything else and i just can't thank you enough for the time absolutely happy to be here thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you to Chef for taking the time to sit down early morning, kind of pre-service. There's going to be some dinners that she has coming up at the restaurant that you should definitely check out. There are little ways from now, depending on when you're listening to this episode around September, things like that. But in the meantime, look, if you have the means to go over there for a lunch service, do it. It's really, really something special. All of her food is phenomenal. Her team does a really great job there. It's only getting better. The accolades are coming in. People are knowing what she's doing. They are by no means a slow restaurant. They are busy. So get a reservation, get in there and enjoy it. Thank you again, chef. And I cannot wait to be back soon. Thank you to everybody that supports each and every week, whether you are listening on free feeds or not, but especially if you are supporting over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this show possible. Do not forget you get early ad free listening and access to the exclusive post show, which you can enjoy this one with Chef Roy right after this one if you're listening over there. Thank you to all of the advertising partners. Thank you to Ali Coyle who provides music for the show. And thank you in general to all of you great people. Restaurants have been packed. Make sure to be patient. Tip your waiter. Stay off of Yelp. You know, give good reviews if you're going to do anything. I'll see you out there. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Robert McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez, Timothy. Thank you for your support.